James chapter number one, would you look with me at verse number 19 and watch what the word of God says. The Bible says, James chapter one, verse number 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness of superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Verse number 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This morning I'd like to preach a message simply entitled, Faith as a College Student. Faith as a College Student. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, thank you, Savior, that we can come into your presence today. Father, I ask through the preaching of God's word that truly we would not be afraid of hearing, afraid of changing, afraid of conviction, but that, Savior, you'd send it today because we need it. Father, I ask, Lord, that your word would once again come alive to us. In a passage of scripture that to many in this very room is somewhat familiar, I ask, Savior, that as today as we look at it, it'd be as if it is the first time. Father, as verse number 22 said, I ask, Lord, that we just wouldn't hear this and be done, it's gone, and okay, let's head to our fifth hour, or head to lunch, and that's it. But Father, as we walk out those back doors, may we be changed more like you. Thinking not of this afternoon, or the quiz tomorrow, or the test on Friday, or all the reading we've got to do in this book, or this project, or I've got to get to work, or I've got to clock in, or the problems we're having with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a relationship back home or a health problem. Oh, no, Father, help us to stop and take a deep breath of you today because we need you. Father, have me behind the cross. Give me the very words that you'd have me to preach, not in the flesh, but in the spirit today. I love you, Savior, in your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In the book of James, we know and often turn here to different sections in this, in this really incredible book that have to deal with faith. We think of faith, we often think about faith as someone who has gone before us that has exhibited great faith in their life. Oftentimes this comes from passage of scripture like we see in James chapter number one. Look at verse number two as the Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy. Now why should we count it joy? Watch, when you fall into diverse temptations, that doesn't seem to make sense. But we see it separated by a semicolon. We move into verse number three. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We understand that in life and testings and temptations and as we often call it the ebb and flow of life, often in those dark or down or somewhat sometimes depressing circumstances, we see our faith being tested. In those circumstances, oftentimes is where our faith really seems to increase. 
Why is it often through difficult circumstances that we see our faith is, is closer than it has ever been to God? Well, oftentimes it is because in those difficult circumstances, it requires a faith that has never been tested in our lives before. When we think, listen now, Carlos, when we think about faith, oftentimes what we see or, or what we feel or, or automatically what our mind is drawn to is somebody who has gone on before us. Oftentimes it's like in James chapter number two, when the word of God starts to talk about this dispensational period, this time when, when Abraham's faith was tested. And Abraham having to bring his son up onto a mountain. And the Bible talks about this great faith that Abraham had. Oftentimes that's what our mind is drawn to. Maybe even the fact of the great faith that Isaac had in his life to, to allow his dad to tie his hands, to allow his dad to lay him on, on this altar with these sticks and, and, and this knife in his hand. I mean, the, the faith, that's what our mind is drawn to. The faith it must have taken for, for Noah to build this boat in the middle of nowhere. The, 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 the faith of Joseph sitting in a prison for several years. The, the faith that it must have taken for Mary to comprehend and, and carry the very Son of God as a virgin. And when we think about faith, we're automatically drawn to stories like, like David and the Word of God that, that would walk out onto a battlefield with a simple slingshot and a couple smooth stones in, in his bag and, and to walk out there and to take on this warrior who had killed men and, and this giant. Watch out. When we think about faith, oftentimes that's what our mind is drawn to. Look, I get it, college student. Or what we'll begin to do is we begin to think about those that, that, that maybe are in this period who have just died and or are still living today. I don't think many of us have ever, if you've grown up in church, ever gone through a message where somebody is preaching on faith without the name of Mueller being mentioned. This guy, I mean, we've heard it over and over and over again. The incredible faith that this man must have had, George Mueller, to take care of 10,000 plus orphans. And man, you've heard the story over and over. They all sat down and there's nothing to eat on the table. And yet they're going to pray and by faith, you know, they're going to believe that uh, God's going to supply. And there's a knock on the door. And boy, oh boy, well, look, we hear the stories. I get it. That's what our mind. We think about faith, that's what our mind is drawn to. <laughs> or we think about your know, Dr. Chapel. And we heard the story, and he walked out here, and it's just a desert place, and no money, no insurance, you know. And, and, and there's no groceries in the cupboards. There's you know, no, no support coming in. There's no support staff. And going to walk out here in the middle of a desert, and over here we're going to put a gym, and over here we're going to put a playground, and over here we're going to have a worship service. Hey, over here we're going to do this. We, 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 well, look, we, when we think about faith, we even think about those maybe who are living that just they're just kind of older than us. We, we, that's what our mind is drawn to. Those maybe who have just passed and or those who perhaps are living today. I think in my life about Dr. Godfrey, who I'm not sure is in this room today, but Dr. Godfrey, who's, who's on the campus now working in our missions department. I mean, look, if you have it, and he's not here so I can talk about him. Maybe it's Dr. Godfrey in here. Good, let me talk about him for just a moment. I mean, have you talked to Dr. Godfrey at all? 
A couple weeks ago, Dr. R, I was able to take him out to eat for the first time. I didn't know who he was. I never met him before. You know, just, hey, uh, this new, new man here, students are here. Let's, let's, let's head on out. Let's grab something to eat. And here's Dr. Godfrey. <laughs> Can I tell you, you should listen to the stories that this guy tells. I mean, you talk about somebody who's lived by faith. I'm sitting there. I mean, he's, he's, he's eating French fries talking about, yeah, you know, we were out there and our, our car was all shot up and I had, to, I had to be in the jungle for six weeks and can I have a refill, man? man? And I, I couldn't talk to my, my kids or my wife. I didn't know where they were. And I'm sitting there like, I mean, look, look you talk about intimidating. How are you, how you going to compare your life with somebody like that? I mean, what am I supposed to say? Well, actually, Dr. Godfrey, I was on my bus route once and two kids got in a fight, you know. Well, they didn't get in a fight technically, but they almost got in a fight. And can you imagine me being in the middle? What great faith. Look, what are you going to say to somebody like that? You know what I mean? Like the faith of being out in the jungles and this and bullets flying over the head. They had to say, we think about faith. Oftentimes, I, I think it's somewhat intimidating. We think about faith, we say that's what it looks like. But have you ever thought, excuse me, cause you get real. Let's just, let's just get down to the nitty gritty for just a moment. Have you ever had the thought that just that, that will never happen to me? Like that's not going to happen to us. But college student, may I declare today that every single one of us in this very room right now ought to strive or want or pursue a bigger faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? It's not saying, well, okay, you know, I, I guess one day or, or maybe I'll get there. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe, you know, I might have some faith. No, it's not maintaining, but you and I ought to want to strive to move to have a bigger faith. Watch now very carefully. Don't get mad at me, but I want you to buckle your seatbelt just for a moment. Do you know in 2019, this is the opposite of what you and I are being indoctrinated with? Big faith? Move, do something for God. Uh, no, that's okay. Do you know, in the day, in the culture, in the society that you and I live, that is the opposite of what you and I are being taught. In this type of day and age, a young college student, listen now very carefully, a young college student, that means you living today, is being brought up with the inability to step out on biblical faith. What? Now, wait a minute, Brother Shepard, you better, you better clarify yourself for a second. I mean, that doesn't make much sense. It absolutely does. You see, culture has so infiltrated the life of a Christian that everyone of you and I, even in here today, has learned and begin to put into practice the habitual lifestyle to play it safe. You and I are being taught. Listen, I didn't, I didn't comprehend this until about a year and a half ago when moving here and now traveling the country that you and I are being brought up. There is a culture within our Christian realm that is raising a group of young people that look, you don't hazard your life for Jesus. You, you don't step out by faith. Look, when you think about big faith, you think of Dr. Chapel and Dr. Godfrey and, and George Mueller and Noah and Moses and all these people but oh no it's not us and this generation we, we just well, we got to be really careful that's what we're being taught if I were to take my finances today and to walk into a financial advisor who was not safe you know what he's going to look at me he's going to look at me and to be honest with you he's going to laugh 
You're going to take 10% plus of what you earn and give it back to the institution that just pays you? That doesn't make sense. They're going to look at my finances and say, you realize that you're raising four girls? If your girls, praise the Lord, they're not, but if your girls were getting married in 2019, do you know that the average cost of a wedding, the average cost of a wedding in this culture right now is $30,000? Not pesos, my friend. Dollars. And I got four of them. Do the math, Brother Cox. It doesn't add up. <laughs> Look at my finances and say, do you realize when your kids, if the trend continues that you're going to have five kids, if Tommy goes for his master's, that you will have five kids in college, excuse me, friend, at the same time? I know some of you are thinking, does that even make sense? Yes, we had twins, okay? Just stop trying to figure it out, okay? We're going to, at the same time, think about it. We're talking about $130,000 a year in tuition if the trend continues. A year. No, 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 that, that can't be biblical. No, no, that, that, that can't make sense. You, you've got to, you, that, that, that can't be right. You can't give 10 plus percent back. No, you've got to play it safe. We've been taught, understand, if, if we're going to go through life, we can't interrupt. It can't be biblical to interrupt our life. It can't be, be, be biblical to interrupt my dreams, my plans. You don't step out by faith and go to college. Now you don't do that. It's on the other side of the world. No, you've got plans and you've got dreams. And, and you can do it a lot cheaper right here in a community college. It's right near mom and dad. And, you know, you can just, you play and say, what if you get all the way out there to Lancaster, California, and things don't go right? Can I tell you, what you and I are being taught today is, look, it's not, it's not for God. It's not him. Look, we like him, and he's great, and he's good and all. But he has given us our life, and it's our dream and it's all aspiration with what we want to do and, and, and it's all about me. Look, look, you just, you just play it safe. We've been, we've been taught that when it comes to faith, well, well, that's for somebody else. It couldn't be for me. Excuse me, we've been taught by our books and we've been taught, taught by our podcast and we've been taught by parents and we've been taught, listen, by today's standard. No, no, you don't step out by faith. That was good for somebody else, but, but it's not for you. Can I just tell you, listen, listen, I, I, I'll move quickly, but I want you to watch just for a moment, young person. We're not talking about the seniors. The seniors are not even in this room. We're not talking about the weavers and the R's and the shepherds and, and we're not talking about those, uh, you know, Dr. Demers and all those in this room. What we're talking about today is you. Well, anyway, here's what we think. Well, you know what, Brother Shepard, that's good and great. But you know, when I get older, can I just say, stop making that excuse. You'll have great faith one day, and you know what, I'll really be there, and, uh, and just stop there. I mean, look, look, I'm 19, okay, look, I'm 21. When I'm older, and I begin to comprehend, and, and when I get put into it, well, when I get to that age, can I just say this? As you grow older, you become more of what you already are, young person. Yeah, one day I'll be there. One day, no, no, that day is right now. If you and I are going to desire to have big faith, 
If you and I are going to desire to step out, I mean, and to really do something for God, you and I have got to get back to the very Word of God. Because we can go around today and we can say, okay, what does big faith look like to you? And, and what do we have to do to get to that place? And, and we go around. We can take a poll. We can put it up on the board. We can go around. But I'm telling you, what we're going to get is we're going to get a whole lot of different standards. We're going to get a whole lot of different preferences. And we're going to get a whole lot of illustrations and examples. I'm just here to tell you, look, I'm not interested in what everybody else has to say. What we ought to be interested in is what does the very Word of God say about having big faith in 2019? How many today desire to have faith, men or women, would you say amen? amen. How are you going to accomplish that? Ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh, me, yeah, big faith right here. Okay, how are you going to do it? Oh, uh, well, you kind of put me on the spot a little bit. Okay, well, what does the Bible say? James tells us if we're going to move our faith this semester, number one, would you write this down? There is a reminder to hear the word of God. Number one, a reminder to hear the word of God. Look at verse number 19. I wish we could had the time to break down this entire verse, but it'd take weeks to do that. But I want you to get one part here. Look at what the Bible says, verse number 19, James 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man, watch what the wording says here, be swift to hear. Excuse me, college student, let every man be swift here, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Verse number 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You see, the scripture has an effect on our faith. That means this, watch, Romans says it this way, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Revelation says it like this, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith. To have faith, you and I must hear the word of God. That means this, watch college student, if you're not in your Bible, your faith is not going to increase. That means if you and I don't get back to the very words of God, if you and I don't have a meditation life, if you and I don't have a devotional life, how are you and I ever going to learn about how to step out by big faith, how to live a life of big faith, how to be one of those that, that, that shows to do something great for God. I'm just here to tell you, if you and I are not in the Bible like we should, we'll never accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our life. Can I tell you, friend, look, I get it. We all live busy lives. You're a college student. Every one of you, you live, look, it's not like saying, well, you know, this guy's sleeping out here, she's dream, daydreaming about this, and they're over here thinking about this, and they got, look, I get it, you live busy lives. We all do. This is not a, hey, let's compare our life to Brother Shepherd and see who's more busy. We all live very busy lives. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we have time for what we want to have time for. <laughs> right. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Oh, we do. Do you know on average, the American, in America today, we spend two hours and 16 minutes every day on social media. That's not screen time. That's, that's scrolling through Instagram and, and going through Facebook and watching everybody's stories to get caught up. It's amazing when stories came out on Instagram. It used to be like a story was like two seconds long. It was really long. Now the stories today, I mean, there has to be 30 little dots in there of somebody's life. And we go through every single one doing what? Wasting time. Understand this, that on average, an American spends 8.1 hours a week watching sports. 
Well, I'm glad I'm not into sports. <laughs> Never have been. You know, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those girls. You know, that's not me. Boy, well, I'm going to spend my time more wisely. Can I tell you this? And that might not be unwise, but how much time do you spend each and every day with your boyfriend or girlfriend? <gasps> Brother Shepherd, are you saying that's bad? I'm not saying that's bad at all. In fact, just yesterday, true story, I'm not going to name their names unless you want me to, but yesterday I'm driving out and over there near the uh, Walters, there's a guy and a girl, they're sitting on the bench right near that sign for the bus to come pick them up. I don't know what they're doing, waiting for the bus, but they're both sitting there, you know they're a couple. My wife and I, we're driving out, true story, this is just yesterday, and you know who you are, and we're driving out and they're a couple, and uh, she gets out her phone, and she's about to take this selfie of both of them together, and they see our car coming, and she puts her phone down, and you know, they're kind of talking, and me and Gary started giggling, and uh, we drove past, and then she gets it out again, she's about to take it, and there was another car coming. So you know what I did? I slowed down because I wanted to watch what was going to happen. It was so good. Look, and I slowed down, and, and then she puts the phone down, and they're acting like they're not saying anything. And then all of a sudden, that car goes past. By this time, you know, we're, we're down the road a little bit, about to get out there. And me and Carrie both are turning around looking. And she, and she gets that phone out, and they get all <laughs> a little too close. And, and, they, and, they, and they take that picture. Can I just tell you, look, it's great that you got a boyfriend or girlfriend. Congratulations. Wonderful. Awesome. But can I ask you, how much, how much time do you spend thinking about them versus how much time you spend thinking about your King of Kings and Lord of Lords? There's some of you, you watch that clock as soon as it hits, boom, you book it out of that class. You run up the second floor of Revels just to get as that door opens up and, and Brother Houck finally let everybody out. And man, here you come and, and there you are. So y'all can just walk three steps to the next class and see in a little bit. You know, you just keep on going. So we, we, we take time to spend who we want to. We're going to do what we want. The scripture has an effect on our faith, but can I say it this way? The source also has an, eff an effect on our faith. The source. The source of what we are ready to hear has a lot to do with whether our faith will be fortified or fail. In the culture in which we live, there are many people who are on Facebook and Fox News and CNN and their little news channel affects them more than the very word of God. No wonder we have small faith today. Look, I, I'm for you, college student. You know how much I love you. But I'm going to have to say today, I do agree with a lot that is being preached from our older preachers. It amazes me that you can come to West Coast Baptist College for four years. That you can sit under a teacher like Brother Hauk, who is a Bible believer and is pastored. A man like Brother England, who knows the Word of God in and out, and its original languages, and my goodness, like a walking brain, you can listen to him, who also has pastored. You can sit for four years and listen to counseling sessions by an evangelist like Dr. Gedge, or someone who has what I would say probably one of the biggest pastor's hearts ever in a Dr. Shepherd. A man who has read more books than I can even tell you in a doctor are. One of the most wise, incredible, intelligent women living today in a doctor immersion. 
You can sit for four years and learn every scripture, passage, exegesis, expository, all through the word of God. You can have that source and that influence on your life. And I'm just going to tell you, look, it's shocking to me that you can spend 10 minutes, 10 minutes watching some preacher that is charismatic, doesn't believe in the assurance of salvation, takes the Word of God out of context, doesn't even read from the very Word of God in the King James. Excuse me, friend, look up here for just a moment. And in 10 minutes, you have totally changed your mind about everything that you have just been scripturally and biblically taught. Just like that. Because your little man crush on so-and-so-and-so -and -so over here, because they dress cool and they look like this. Can I just tell you, I agree, the source by which you get your faith is going to have an effect on your life for all of eternity, friend. You've been given something incredible here. You've been given something that I'm telling you is godly and, and honestly can move. I'm talking about a movement that can come from you and I being Bible believers. And yet, because this guy has a big church or this guy looks cool and he's like, oh, Brother Shepherd, you're just, you're just jumping on the bandwagon. No, I'm telling you, it is the truth, the foolishness that some today are falling for. True story, and I told him my homiletics guys, I'm just gonna tell it again. I was handed a video clip of about, it's about a 28 minute sermon, I guess you could call it, by a new preacher, and I, I don't name names, and I'm not here to preach against other guys, but I was handed this clip, and I listened to it, and you know, okay, it was positive, it was great, but you know, I told that young guy, I went back to him, and I said, look, if you took that exact message and extracted the words from that guy, and you took away his, his, his coolness, his cool factor, his hip factor, you took away his clothes, you took away his lights, you took away his stage, you took away his band, you took just the words, excuse me friend, and you extracted it from him, and you took it and you put it in some little country preacher out somewhere that still has an eagle on his tie and wears cuffed pants and, and is not cool at all, and just, just stands behind the pulpit the whole time and doesn't know how to hold his mic all cool. And if you took, excuse me, friend, if you took just the words and extracted them and put him in a body like that, you wouldn't have listened to two minutes of it. You know why? Because we've gotten away from the source. We want the good and the feel and this, that. Look, 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 look. I get it. Caution. I get it. I understand. I can't I tell you today, I'm not, I'm not giving you the Thomas Shepherd show. I want us to get back to the Word of God. The Scripture, the source, but also I want you to listen very carefully. The style has an effect on our faith. The style. There are several different types of listeners. There are those who are slow to hear. Can I just tell you this? There are those that are slow to hear. The listeners can hear a sermon after sermon and never give it another thought. You know, the sad part is, is that there are many who are going to destroy their lives, excuse me, coming in day in, day out, and they walk in here, and man, they, you know, they, they, they just think, uh, you know, that, hey, this is okay, and, and it's fine, and it's good, and this is good for somebody else, but can I tell you that in, in here today, there are those that are slow to hear? 
that you've sent back, you've, you've been on your phone, you're putting it away right now, you're selective in where you want to sit because it's not near a dorm soup and it's, it's not near Brother Shedler or Mrs. Danky or, you know, it's, it's kind of back over here and it's hidden or, you know, we can sit close to our boyfriend or girlfriend and you can walk in and you can't name one thing that Pastor Fong preached on yesterday. You can't name the hymn that we sung just a moment ago. You come in and you sit and, and boy, I'm telling you, it, it, somebody's preaching, but there are some who are just, they're not going to hear it. Can I tell you, there's also those that are selective in their hearing. Excuse me, they're selective. It's a true story. I can tell, look, Dr. Shelley, you've been there. Brother Tyler, you can tell. Isn't it amazing how we can tell our kids, look, Tommy, Lois, I, I want you to you know, do your homework and then get a snack and go out and play. And they jump up and they run over and they, and they start to get a snack. And they say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You said get a snack and go out and play. I said, I did not. I said, you can finish your homework, get a snack, and then go out and play. Excuse me. They're selective. Do you know there are some of you in this very room that after four years you're going to be selective? You're going to pick out, pick and choose. You're going to look at a student handbook and, and you're going to pick what's good for you. You're going to act like a lawyer, and I can do this, and I can do that. And I can. Look, if you treat the student handbook here at Bible College like a lawyer, and i got to pick out what I can and can't do, you are going to stretch the limits. And you, you, honestly, you're building a foundation that that's how you're going to treat the Word of God. You're going to approach the Word of God in such a way that, you know what, God said this, and I can do this, and you know, I can push the limits here, and I can push the limits there. Can I just tell you, look, even as a millennial, I'm sick and tired of having the debate on whether you can or cannot drink. Can I tell you, not one person in this very room can name one good thing that comes from drinking alcohol. So why are we trying to talk about it? Why are we trying to push the limits? I'll tell you why. Because we have developed selective hearing, and we're trying to push them. I'm telling you, after this summer, after getting hit by a drunk driver with my wife and our five kids in the car, I'm telling you, I'm attacking it more and more. You're a fool for even taking the side of somebody who sips wine. It's foolishness. Right. Well, the Bible says, look, here's your selection. Well, the Bible says a little wine is good for the stomach. Oh, please. Get over it, friend. Were you six years old? And, oh, my tummy hurts. And mom came in and, well, let me, look, 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 drink a little wine for you. No, you had your bubblegum flavored Pepto Bismol, baby. You know it. I actually don't know where that came from, but it was pretty good. <laughs> but then there's a sensitive here. The characteristic of a good listener is someone who is awake, alert, in tune, interested, and avail themselves to opportunities. There is, number one, a reminder to hear the Word of God. Now move quickly, but watch. Number two, would you write this down? There's a reminder, but then also, number two, Remove things that will hurt our faith. Look at verse number 21 and watch what the Word of God says here. Verse number 21, look what the Word of God says. It says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity, uh, superfluity of naughtiness to receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. You, you check it out. Look, 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 look. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness. And superfluity of naughtiness. The word filthiness in our English language suggests dirt, filth, impurity. 
The word superfluity suggests an exceeding measure or somewhat above or beyond the ordinary. The word naughtiness refers to wickedness, depravity, and one's vicious disposition and desires. In the text, what we're looking at here is for the Christian, the idea of filthiness is like an individual that has, now tune in and don't get grossed out, but I'm just going to tell you, it's like an individual that has excessive earwax. What? It is of little help if we are ready to hear, but we have our ears plugged with something else. That's the picture here. The Bible says, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which just so easily beset us, and let us run the patience with patience, the race that is set before us. As long as sin is left to linger in our lives, our faith will never flourish the way that God wants it to flourish. If you and I come in here today and say, okay, that's what I want. Here's what I want. I want to have, I want to have big faith and okay, great, good. I hear you, and I, I want to be that, that hearer that's not, it's not, not listening and not selective, but no, I want to be that hearer that hears the Word of God. Yes, that's me. Can I tell you, with sin in your life, you'll never get there. Look, you've got to lay it aside. Tune in for just a moment. Now watch. True story, Christmas, 2018. <laughs> you thought I was going to say like 1947. Like just, just last Christmas, my wife and I traveled to Arizona. We're in Arizona. We have some friends there. Friends give my kids, true story, they give my kids these little eggs. I'm like, oh, that's cool, little eggs. I thought it was going to be like chocolate in there or something. No, my kids open up these little eggs, and I'm sure you know what they are. You've seen it. But inside of these eggs is like, it's almost like a, a mix between slime and putty. You've been there? You've seen it? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I got it in my pocket. <laughs> and you got it. And, and they open it up and it's got this, it's like slime. You can pick it up, you can play with it. If you take like three fingers and you push it down real hard, it goes, yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Makes a really weird sound, you know what I'm saying? And, and my kids get this. And that's good, that's great. And wow, that's really fun. And they loved it. But can I tell you, one of my daughters, we got in the car, we left. It was super cold coming back, went through Nevada and a couple other places. And it's cold to come back. They dropped, listen, in the middle of the night, they, they took that putty out in our van and then put it back in the egg and they left it on the seat overnight and it froze. It got hard. Well, I didn't know it. So I'm collecting all the blankets and I put all the pillowcases. I put everything, you know, how dads you've done before, some of the older guys in here and mom's in here and you put all these things in a big pile and, and then I'm going to take it. And as I did, watch it, I got it all on one of the captain's chairs in our van and I, I grabbed this thing and I didn't know that that slime had been frozen. And as I scooped this, that slime like a knife went straight up into my fingernail all the way back to the little white part on your fingernail. I cried. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was ticked off at my kids. I go inside and I say to my wife, I'm like, Carrie, look! I got this slime that's sticking down in with blood coming out. She's like, what happened to you? What happened to me? I was playing with slime. Hello, no. I'm like, look, the kids left it in there and it froze and it's down to my finger. And so my, my wife, true story, 
my wife and takes it in the bathroom and, and she's cleaning it up and I'm sitting there and I'm sucking down my Pepto-Bismol bubblegum flavor, you know, and she begins to get out and she gets it, honestly, she cleans it up. She gets everything out, almost all of it, but you could see after it's cleaned up, there was one, and I, I mean the tiniest of tiniest dot way back in my fingernail. See what I said? I'm a man. I will leave that in there. <laughs> and I left it in there. My wife said, I think, I think we really ought to get it out. And she's licking this needle. I think we ought to, I think we ought to get it out. And I'm like, girlfriend, back off, Barbie. You are not coming at me with that thing. You know what I'm saying? I know. I, I'm really, I'm good, okay? I'm good. I got it. No problem. <laughs> True story. It got infected. <laughs> And my whole finger began to swell up, like on, on uh, bad on both sides. It became it was a little red, then it became white, then it was a bubble. And my wife said, I think you ought to go to the doctor. I said, I am a grown man. I'm not going to the pediatrician for my finger with a dot of slime in there. I'll do what every man does. So I got on YouTube. <laughs> and I looked, I looked up. How do you get rid of infection with slime down in your finger? And a video popped up. You take a needle, true story, you heat it and under a candle. You get it real dark and you stick it in there and then you squeeze the infection out. Some of you are like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it was really gross. So guess what I did? I got a needle, I heated it up, I put it in there, I popped it, I squeezed it, I got, excuse me, I got it all out, every bit of it. Then it got affected again. <laughs> and my wife said, I think you really ought to go to the doctor. I said, girl, I wear the pants of this family. I think I'll go to the doctor. <laughs> I go to the doctor. The doctor says, look, we got to get out. We'll clean it out. And they cleaned it out. They got it out. They took the shots in. They got the little, the, the tiny, tiniest. I mean, it literally, I'll be honest, it was embarrassing, Dr. R. Like it was, you could not even see it. They're like, yep, there it is. I'm like, where, you know, it's tiny. He said, all right, why don't, you, why don't you take these little pills and these pills will clean you out and it'll, it'll heal it up, antibiotic. True story. Got home, didn't take the antibiotics. You say, Brother Shepard, you're an idiot. Yeah, I get it. I know. But I'm thinking I take a multivitamin, a D3 and a vitamin C every day. And if I take this antibiotic, it's going to kill my immune system. Everybody else is sick. I'm not sick except for my stupid little finger from the slime that somebody else gave my kids. It's not even my fault. Like, now I'm getting bitter at this. <laughs> like, I don't take the antibiotics. Guess what? <laughs> it gets infected again. <laughs> Do you know that in July, seven months later, I was still struggling with that finger? Seven months. I feel good everywhere else, honestly. I can run, I can lift weights, like I'm in great health, I feel good, but the only thing I could think about was my finger. Can I tell you, some of you in here, you may feel good about your faith, and you may laugh at me for a little bit of slime, a dot in the fingernail, but you're hanging on to one tiny, insy little bit of sin in your heart, and you won't let it go. Oh, yeah, I want to have big faith. Well, I want to do big things for God. Let me tell you something. Looking at the trash you're looking at on your phone, you're never going to get there, friend. 
Oh, yeah, you think you're okay? Yeah, you got your Bible? Yeah, your shoes are shined? Yeah, hello, I'm in Bible college. Good for you, and we'll give you an attaboy later. But I'm here to tell you, what you're looking at on Instagram or, or what you're deleting in your history on Safari, you're holding on to a dot, friend. You're sitting here, and you're thinking, well, I know all this about Shepherd has been there. Boy, Dr. Shepherd, I'll tell him. Yeah, Dr. Oh, boy, you know, Brother Ingo thinks he knows all. And you know what you're hanging on to? You're hanging on to a dot of pride, and that's exactly what Satan's going to use to bring you down, my friend. Look, I get it. You've been hurt. Maybe you've lived a life and you've been abused. And maybe you've lived a life and, and your childhood was not good and great and rainbows and butterflies. And maybe you were hurt spiritually or maybe you were hurt physically or maybe you're abused in some way. Let me tell you something, friend. I feel sorry for you and I'm sorry that took place in your life. But I'm going to tell you why you're here today hanging on to that little bit of bitterness. Hanging on to that. I'll never get over it. Hanging on to that. I will never forgive them. Look, I'll live for God. I'll step out by faith. I'll do big things for him, but I'm telling you, God, that dot in my heart, I'm not getting rid of. Can I tell you, friend, you'll never be used the way that God wants to use your life. Hanging on to the dot of sin that Satan is going to use. No, friend, you've got to extract it and you've got to get your antibiotics today. You've got to replace it and get in the Word, because I'm going to tell you, look, I saw the doctor just a couple of weeks ago. You know what he told me about this nail? He said, friend, it may never be the same again. The slime is out, the infection is gone, but the scar that I have on this nail may never go away. Why? Because I didn't listen. May I tell you, friend, you may get right today, or you may get right in 10 years. You may be in the Word of God, but I'm here to tell you, you will have scars that you will carry maybe for the rest of your life, not giving God what He wants. What does He want? We said if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hmm. <laughs> oh, you see, you want big faith? Oh, okay. Well, we see here there's this reminder to hear the Word of God. There's this removing of things that will hurt our faith. And then lastly, watch, give me two minutes. Then we must respond to what God has said. Look at the end of verse number 21. Everybody look at it with me. Watch what it says. Go to the end. Look at the end of verse number 21. Here's what it says. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse number 22, look at it. And be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. <laughs> In order for the word to affect us, it must be engrafted. Look, 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 watch, don't tune out. Must be implanted. Has the idea of a permanent fixture in our lives. An influence to guide us. An influence to aid us. It was the psalmist that pinned the words, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You may hear the word, but you, you might even in your life, can I put it this way? You may even have it in your heart. But until you act upon it, your faith will never increase. Well, Brother Shepherd, that's good. And that sounds good, but I, I, to be honest with you, I can't have that type of faith. So we're still on, we're still on that train. 
Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, Brother Shepherd, it's good and all, but you know, shouldn't this have been for the seniors? Shouldn't they have been the ones that got this? I mean, look, I'm just the one-year Bible student. That's a, I'm just here for one year, and I'm going to give God a shot, and then I'm gone. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I'm young, and, and to be honest with you, Brother Shepherd, look, I'm just a girl in here. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even called to the ministry. I mean, can I ask you a question? If, if this is you, would you say amen? Are you saved today? Say amen. amen. Then come on. If you're saved today, say amen. amen. Then, then come on. I mean, just be strong. I'm tired, friend, listen, of an older generation looking at our generation. And to be honest with you, in some ways they're right. They're calling us weak. They're calling us feeble. They're calling us lazy. Can I tell you something? In many ways, they're exactly right. And it's not for us to sit back and pout about. It's for you and I to step on the scene and start to change something. It's the Word of God that says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You and I, we cannot have big faith on our own. It's going to have to be our Savior, Jesus Christ, helping us. And it may be tough, Christian, but we have to have big faith. And it's not later. We have to have it right now. It's weak Christianity that says, well, that's not my fight. Or, well, to be honest with you, I'm just not good at it. It's weak Christianity that says, well, we just we just need to, as Christians, sit back and, and relax. And, and we're not really made for that big faith kind of stuff. Excuse me, soldier. It's the Word of God that says, now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If there was ever a day, a time, a place, a culture that needed you and I to have big faith. I'm telling you, that day is today. May you and I as college students wake up and realize that our culture, our everyday environment is getting worse and more wicked and more vile than you and I have ever seen before. May you and I open our spiritual eyes and begin to realize that it takes faith to surrender. It takes faith to pursue God. It takes faith to stand. It's the Word of God that says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quench ye like men. Be strong. You and I can not simply as college students stick our head in the sand. No, friend, this is our battle. This is our fight. This is our time. This is our job. This is our stance. This is our life. This is our family. This is our culture. Would to God today we'd have some young people, some ladies, some men, some college students quit standing on the sidelines of apathy and say, today I might be scared, but God, I'm asking for big faith in you. No matter the price, no matter the harshness, no matter the circumstances, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to hazard my life for my Savior. I'm asking today, who's going to be the David? Who is going to be the Ruth? Who's going to be the Esther? Who's going to be the Mary? Who's going to be the Paul? Who's going to be the Moses? I'm asking, who today will bend the knee and say, me? God, me. God, choose me. When's the last time you hit your knees and said, God, I volunteer. Help me to have big faith as a college student.